Hey guys, welcome back to the Solutions by Southwest Utility podcast. My name is Caroline and I am so thankful you're here. As always, um, this podcast is nothing without the community that is you. So I appreciate you being here. I'm grateful for your ears and your time and your energy. Um, And I'm pumped because I think today's conversation is going to be particularly impactful for you. I have the absolute honor and pleasure to sit down today with uh, somebody that you probably have seen on LinkedIn if you're in multifamily. Um, He's got an incredible presence and he is an absolute gift when it comes to being an authentic figure on LinkedIn within our industry. Um, And I had the opportunity to meet him this year in person at the Texas Department Association One Expo. Uh, So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Mr. Adrian Danila. Adrian, would you like to say hello to our audience? Hello, everybody. And Caroline, I'm very grateful for our connection. And also thank you so much for inviting me here today. Absolutely. I am the pleasure is mine. I'm humbled. I will tell you guys that are listening. So I have followed Adrian for a very long time on LinkedIn. As many of you know, I am very passionate about authentic community building. And so when I saw Adrian on LinkedIn and I saw who he was connected to, and I saw the conversations he was having and and just the content that he was number one, associated with, but number two, engaging with, um, it was a a no-brainer. Like this is somebody that at some point I'd really be grateful to do life with and to learn from and and to watch. And Tony Souza, who many of you guys are familiar with, who's been on our podcast, who's a dear friend of mine, um, we connected at the TAA1 Expo as well. And he said, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody and facilitated the the connection between Adrian and myself. And it was um, just amazing. I'm so thankful to Tony, who isn't, right? Tony is uh, the king of connecting and facilitating the start of new relationships. And um, so I'm, in, I'm very grateful for him. But that's how Adrian and I, you know, connected in person. Um, and I learned very quickly that the man that you see on LinkedIn is consistent with the man that you meet in person and that you have real physical conversations with. Um, and that's my favorite part about LinkedIn is when I'm able to connect with a human that is the same person that they are online, when the authenticity is consistent. And that is absolutely Adrian. So Adrian, we're going to dive right in. I got a list of questions for you. The audience knows how this goes. We're going to um, we're going to go through some some questions. I want to know who you are. I want to know what drives you, and I want to know what makes you tick. So let's get started. Let's begin by you sharing with our audience who are you. Tell me what drives you. So let me start with who I am, Adrian Danila. <clears throat> I am uh, forty years old. Uh, I've been in a multifamily industry for 20 years. I've been in United States for 20 years. In my previous life, and I was in Romania, um, I grew up in a communist country in an environment that was very restrictive, uh, very punitive, if you want. Uh, My dream, my secret dream was always to have the opportunity to maybe at least once visit America. As I was uh, growing up, I was listening to the programs of uh, Voice of America. It was a, uh, a a radio station that we could listen to in Romanian. And uh, we're listening to that in the dark, my dad and I. Uh, we only have a radio that was working on batteries. Uh, electricity shortages were like 10 to 12 hours a day. So I was listening to the reportages about the American, the large American cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. And with my eyes closed in the dark, I was imagining me like walking down the street and looking at the uh, skyscrapers. And I said, you know, maybe one day that dream will become reality. I never really expressed it because uh, you did not want to say that in public. If you were to say that in public, uh, your parents could get in trouble, like they could go to jail, they could get arrested, you wouldn't have a bright future. Uh, in a country. So this is how I grew up. Then uh, when I was 14 years old, uh, the communist regime was overthrown. Uh, I uh, experienced freedom from my uh, water hose. Uh, it's, it's been like all these years that we didn't have access to Western music, to their culture. Like it was all coming at us, like decades of it. So imagine the 
situation that you know 14 15 year 15 year old me was in like i was trying to just like make up for all those decades that you know i wasn't part of uh, first of all because i wasn't born but secondly we had no access uh, in communists we had no access to you know the western culture at all so it, it was a, an amazing time for me growing up and then in my 20s i uh i started i i tried to go to law school i fell the first time so i had to go back to where i was coming from uh in my home village and um i was a substitute teacher for a year and then i tried the law school the second year uh, and i i was accepted so i spent five years in uh, in law school I, I graduated then i went ahead and i uh, i passed my bar exam so i could actually be an attorney in romania I never practiced though so i went and worked for a couple of uh, government entities as a legal counselor for two years and then in 2003 i finally came to united states so when i first you know got here uh, i landed in atlanta there was a family that accepted to you know take us in and just kind of show us around i wasn't speaking much english basically my vocabulary consisted of 20 30 40 words in english most of them bad words like you wouldn't really tell them in a public setting i i, I could curse you pretty well but that's about <laughs> it that, that that was it so <clears throat> Uh, the first was, uh, you know, the family we were staying with, they encouraged us to, you know, fill out applications. And I, I filled out hundreds of applications. There were paper back in the day, not so much online. Um, I didn't even, they said, well, you know, if they ask you salary, just say that you're open. So like, don't make salary or what you're asking for an impediment from getting the job. So maybe that was not the best way or the best advice, but that's what I did. So <clears throat> about six months in, I, I've been doing all sorts of, you know, odd jobs, renovation, construction, helper, a, a, anything I could get my hands on um, and just kind of making the best, you know, over the situation that I was in, right? Trying to build a, uh, to, to build some, uh, to build a profile, right? To get people to know me. And finally, the opportunity came at a apartment community in, uh, in, in uh, Duluth, Georgia. Actually, before that, I had a friend of mine that was studying for his PhD at Georgia Tech. He said, hey, uh, I think we're hiring some groundskeepers. Why don't you go check out our website? So sure enough, you know, I did. And I went and applied for a groundskeeper position there. But, you know, nobody ever called me. Now, the word groundskeeper kind of stuck with me, right? So I said, okay, this is probably something that I could do, pick up trash. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't require any skill. So I just went out there and started looking for groundskeeper jobs. And every groundskeeper job that I saw online, I would apply for. So six months in, uh, I found this uh, part-time job at apartment community. They called me for an interview. They accepted me. And I got hired, right? So at the same time, I was living like 20 minutes away at a, a different apartment community. And obviously, a part-time job was not enough to support me. I was still doing other odd jobs to kind of make enough income to make it. So um, six months into the part-time job, the groundskeeper at the community where I was living at didn't show up to work one morning. Uh, he was a very early person, six, seven o'clock in the morning. He was out there doing his thing. And I went to my job. And when I returned from work, I told my wife, I said, hey, uh, I noticed that the groundskeeper didn't show up here today. Uh, I think I'm going to go ask for his job. So her first reaction was like, are you insane? Like people, <laughs> like- they, Wise they got, woman, like, wise woman, Adrian. That's a wise woman right there. Yes, yeah, are you they, insane? They, they're going to laugh you out the door. And I said, why? Well, you know, people like get sick. People take vacations. Like they don't just work every day. So, you know, that kind of got me discouraged. I said, you know, she has a point. So the next morning I go back to work and he's not there. Okay, so when I returned from my part-time job, I parked at the office. I asked to speak with the manager and I asked, I said, do you have any opening? So the manager took the time uh, to speak with me and said, yes, we actually have a groundskeeper slash punch position. I said, well, I don't know much about punch. I never done, but if you give me the opportunity, I'll learn. But groundskeeper, it's what I do currently. It's just that it's a smaller community. They, they only have a part-time job. So I did the interview, they accepted me, and this is how I actually started my 
full-time journey in an industry. Um, went through all the positions, uh, except maybe housekeeper was the only position that I never had. But, you know, I was a punch person. I was a tech. I was an assistant service manager, service manager. And then about four years after I started my full-time job, three and a half years, I got my first uh, regional maintenance director job. And that was with Graystar. Um, I was a great star seven years that, you know, moved to uh, a few other companies, uh, had, you know, other director positions or, you know, I managed also large assets, seven, 800 units, distressed assets for them. And currently I am the vice president of maintenance operations at PMG property management. Uh, we are own and managed company. And we manage currently a portfolio of about 30,000 units in Nevada, Arizona, and Texas. I think that was kind of a long story of who I am. No, I think it was incredible. And I don't think you could have left any of it out. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. I have a question for you. Um, I have two questions for you, actually, based on what you just shared with us. Talk to me about law school. Why law school? Was that just what was that always the plan that to go to law school, or or where did that come from? So uh, I had to take things. Great question, by the way. Uh, I had to take things by elimination. I was in high school, almost ready to graduate, and I knew what I didn't like to do. Right? I knew I didn't like the technical part, so I wouldn't become an engineer. Uh, I didn't want to become an accountant. You know that wasn't. I didn't really see myself having a career in like becoming a teacher, teaching. Um, so one of the very few things left that I thought I'll enjoy doing was law school. So I just ended up picking law school by elimination because I couldn't think of anything else that either I will be capable of doing or I would enjoy even the tiny bit doing. So that's I, you know, that's how I, you know, ended up with law school. That's so funny, Adrian. When I hear law school, I think of, you know, this is what a, a small child dreams of for their entire life. And it's this mountain that they're they're scaling and oh my gosh, to to get into law school, to pass the bar. Oh my lord, like what an incredible accomplishment. And I listen to you and you're like, yeah, I went to law school and I I I, you know, I did it. I was successful. It's you know, it's absolutely amazing. Um good for you. And I, and I bet that there are lots of skills that you learned during that experience that are maybe applicable to your role today. And, you know, nothing is ever wasted. There's always something that can be applied that's learned from um, maybe a previous adventure or a past journey. And uh, so I, I know that there is, there is um, fruit there that you've been able to apply to, to your current journey and what you do but I do think that's actually incredible that you went to law school and you didn't give up the first time that you were not able to you were not accepted I guess and, and you went back and you did it again you're like okay well that's not going to stop me I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying and then you you know you conquered it um my second question for you Adrian is uh about your journey here to America so our company is very diverse. And I have two employees here that um, I have a small team. And so two is a lot, two of my people. I have one employee who recently came here from Pune, India permanently um, two and a half months ago. And then I have another gentleman who's been working with our team for longer than I've been here, uh, very much a cornerstone for our office. He came here from Cuba um, about seven years ago. And their journey to America, you know, everybody's is unique and tumbling because when I, when I talk to them about what life looked like before coming here, you're kind of sucker punched with, oh my gosh, when I think I don't have it well, I, let me sit down and remember that I am so incredibly blessed and privileged. Um, you know, Ernesto here in my office, the gentleman who is from Cuba, um, I, I can remember early on in my career with this company and within our industry, uh, talking to him about what life looked like before coming here. And he said, you know, the most exciting thing about America is the grocery stores. And so what do you mean by that, Ernesto? And he said, my experience with food is standing in a line for six hours to get six eggs. And 
you can walk into a grocery store here and never worry about having access to eggs and you can buy them in a pack of 12. And uh, when you want to talk about, holy cow, what in the world did I think was worth complaining about earlier today? Because, you know, your life experience is so drastically different than what I might consider painful or negative or not fair. So it is very humbling to talk to individuals who have not been here their whole life. Um, it's kind of a reality check. So that was a long way to, to tee up my question for you, Adrian. I apologize. Um, but I, I want to talk about that, that first month that you were here, that you, you arrived to America. Talk to me about what your most impactful memory was. What is the one thing that, and I know this is kind of an on-the-spot question, so I apologize. This is how things go. But I want you to tell me, what was the most whoa kind of moment when you arrived in America for the first time? The the, uh, the thing that made them, I, I guess, the most profound impression was on me was how well-organized things are. And I guess in our daily lives, like now that I'm here for 20 years, like I could see like how certain things are not as organized, but it's just because we tend to have, you know, that short memory. If I was to refer myself to my previous life, like there's like nine and day. So uh, how, how well things were organized, how the stress, like the daily, uh, the daily worrying about, Hey, is it going to be enough to, buy some food or you know am I, are we gonna pay the utilities this month you know do we have enough can we buy clothes for the winter uh, even though i didn't live in uh communist uh, for you know the second part of my you know 28 years in romania my financial situation was not great uh, even though i graduated college uh, things were still like expensive life was expensive comparing with what i was making the money and uh I think the thing that struck me the most was that I will walk down the street and then I'll look at my shoes and I'll see no dust on my shoes. Uh, th this is something that like it, it's a given when you walk outside where I'm from, like, you know, your shoes are going to be, you know, full of dust. If it's raining outside, you're going to be, you know, your pants are going to be full of mud. So you really hate stepping outside. And I think that was the most impactful, the most profound experience difference that I've seen like I could walk outside and come back with my shoes and there's no dust on my shoes. I said, how, how amazing that is. Wow. Uh, well, that statement will probably stay with me forever. I walk outside and I don't have dust on my shoes. And that was something that I was grateful for. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, talk to me about why multifamily was so intriguing. I mean, I know you said that, you know, it was, you went down the street and there was a community and you were comfortable with groundskeeping, but how, why groundskeeping? Like wh where did, wh where did that come from? So my goal at the time was, you know, I need to secure a full-time job for $10 an hour with benefits. That was my goal. Like, that's what I tried to accomplish. Because my my jobs at the time, the jobs that I was doing, you know, I was working for like seven, eight bucks an hour, no benefits, nothing, just, you know, they will pay me for the hours worked and that's it. Uh, why, you know, why groundskeeper was the most basic, you know, job in, in multifamily. Obviously, I didn't speak well enough to look at a leasing job. I don't have, you know, sales experience. So that was never an option. So I had to go towards, you know, the lowest hanging fruit. And that was, you know, groundskeeper. Uh, it doesn't take any skill to pick up trash. And also, you don't have to speak a whole lot, communicate. So that was kind of the uh, the best way for me to enter the industry and actually to enter this world, really, in a, in a way that I wanted to. Because uh, I never came here thinking that, hey, I got to find my own people and just kind of build our own tribe here. Uh, I wanted to become an American. Like, that was my dream. That is my part of my American dream. Like, I wanted to be part of this culture. If I really wanted to just build my own tribe, I could have just stay home because that's where, you know, my people are, most of them. So that that was kind of what, you know, what made me. And uh, industry as a whole, multifamily has been 
very generous with me. I met a lot of people. I, I had a lot of mentors and a lot of people that just helped me. Like literally they, they thought I was doing something good. I was working hard and they, they rewarded that and they supported me along the way. Uh, I'm super, extremely grateful about the support that I gotten along the way. And um, for me, my, my journey in multifamily, it's actually my American dream journey, right? Starting from nothing, you know, making the best out of every day. Um, and I think the industry exemplifies in one of the best ways how the American dream is still alive, right? If you're watching the news, probably you will see the opposite of that where people, you know, are saying there is that, I think is very much alive and it's, it's what you make it, right? It's, uh, you know, bring context into your situation, into the today's world and make the best of it up every day. That, that's what the American dream is about. So that's what actually multifamily is for me. It's my American dream. Wow. Talk to me about the leaders that have impacted you while you've been a part of the industry. What do you think makes leaders particularly great in our industry? And, and is there one that was specifically impactful for you that you would care to tell us about? Absolutely. So I think some of the best qualities that make a leader a great leader will be approachability, mm. being approachable and being good with people. Uh, you know, when you think about, you know, our industry is very generous in offering us the tools that we need to be successful, you know, the technology, the tools, like we're going to invest a thousand dollars worth of tools so you could do your job, right? As a maintenance tech, we're going to buy HVAC tools. Um, many, many resources we have as an industry, they're available. But what really makes the difference is people. Now, when you're at the very top of the organization, like if you're not good with people, that's not a that, that's not a recipe for success, because this is how you build that culture. You show that you care. People will reciprocate because that's the nature. That's people. That's human nature. If you treat someone with a smile, when they first coming at you, you know you smile. Chances are they gonna smile back. People tend to reciprocate a lot. So if your attitude is positive and caring towards people they're going to reciprocate that maybe towards you, maybe towards others. And this is how you build culture. So th those were the type of leaders that I, I fall in love with and I, I learned from over the years. Uh, if I was to name a couple of names, I have a very, very long list of people that I've learned from and that inspire me. But I will say the two top ones that come to mind up to this day, even though this was like 15, 16 years ago, were Chris Riley and Kelly Steele. I worked under both of them at Graystar and uh, very humble people, very good with people, very personable. And up, up, to, the, up to this day, I, I owe them a great deal of gratitude for the opportunities they gave me within the organization. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am today. Isn't it amazing the impact that good leaders and good mentors have on the trajectory of our lives? I, I, um, you know, what I, what Tara is doing with her multifamily mentor group, I, I think it's absolutely amazing because everything you just described is, it's so true. I mean, you remember those things. I mean, you were, you just said you worked for underneath those people for, I mean, it was a long time ago, over a decade ago, but the impact and the influence that they had on you and the leader that you became, I mean, that is I mean, that, that stands the test of time, right? It doesn't matter that it was 15 or 16 years ago. That impact is, I mean, that's generational impact. Um, when I think of mentorship and my own multifamily story, I, I would say that the same applies. We all kind of got in here by happenstance and we've all for some reason stayed. And uh, a lot of the success that I hear of those around me has everything to do with those that went before them. And there was this consistent willingness in the leaders before us to, to pour in to the newbies, to pour into, uh, you know, I like the word newbies, but I guess really it's the new people who came into the industry. Um, as somebody who is very young in our industry, 
I am endlessly grateful and, and feel indebted to everybody who's gone before me because without them, the the foundation was would not have been laid. There would have been no no stable or or solid rock for us to walk on to build and craft new relationships and to um you know build bigger and better and new amazing things um the, the impact of mentorship is is very special to me i, I think for a lot of us it's life saving um it's always life changing but for some of us it's life saving so thank you for for telling us about those two people that were particularly impactful for you, Adrian. I want to pivot here a little bit, and I want to talk about something that I think you and I both really love, and that is um, digital community and utilizing LinkedIn in a powerful way. But before we dive into LinkedIn, I want to kind of go up and, and look at it from this 10,000 foot view, if you will. And I want to talk about the word community. Um, everybody's got their own version and definition of it. Um, but I'm curious to hear what yours is. Can you define for us what the term community means to you? People that have something in common. People that share a, a certain set of values and interests. Uh, that is community. Uh, I try to bring everybody into my network and community. And I try to be helpful in any way that I can, right? Um, I had people reaching out to me all the time. So during my morning walks, uh, what I do every single week, once, twice, three times a week, as I walk uh, early morning, I set up calls with various people that want to connect, you know, just wanted to, you know, get to know me or tell me about themselves or people that are looking for advice, for guidance. I always make time for that. Um, I, I think that's how you build real community. It's not by having ulterior motives, by saying, hey, I'm going to connect with this person because, you know, they have a, a great access to a, you know, 20 plus thousand network of professionals. I'm going to be tapping into that network through them. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, you should build report. You should build relationships and the rest is going to always work itself out, whether you sell something or you don't. Uh, but if your intentions are, are good, like uh, to build something, to build community, the results are going to follow. And the results, again, like not a monetary reward. Hey, I'm going to be making $100,000 because I got connected with those people. It's nothing wrong with making money eventually from relationships, like starting a new relationship. I'm saying don't make that your main reason why you connect with people. Uh, because also people have this feeling, right? They feel if you're a fake person, like if you're doing this, having ulterior motives, like you're just trying to sell them something or you're just trying to get something for like this for that. Um, just just be authentic, be yourself and just try to help people without expecting anything in return, because I think there'll be a lot coming your way in in different many other ways. You just don't have to, the transactional mindset, it's a very limited mindset, right? It'll only get you so far. The infinite mindset is that you just put some good out in a world and for sure, you don't have to worry about anything else because it works like karma, right? You do good, some good stuff is going to happen to you. Um, so that's community to me. It's interesting when I had Mike back on, or no, when I was on Mike's, show collective conversations a couple of months ago he and I talked about this um and and it was an interesting piece of our conversation and it's consistent with what you're saying when you just consider relationships as purely transactional I mean the the fruit you're preventing yourself from experiencing it, it's intense and it's almost kind of sad I mean I I <clears throat> If I were to just look at the conversations I have and see, you know, just dollar signs, what, what, I mean, I'm, I'm limiting the impact that that connection could have on the trajectory of my life or on my career, on, you know, the generational, um, 
experience that my family will have. It is, it is limiting. And I think sometimes we, we put, um, I mean, I like to use the word fruit, right? Like good things that we reap from connections that we build and relationships that, that we forge with people. But if we just thought of money as the only available fruit to us, I mean, there's a whole, a whole, oh my God, like amazing amount of other stuff that can come from connections. Growth is, is not just sales. Fruit is not just money. I mean, look at this, right? There's nothing transactional about what you and I are doing, but the impact that you will create because of your openness, your honesty, and your vulnerability and sharing who you are and what makes you tick as a human being with our audience, you know, that is the ability to change somebody's life, but there were no dollars exchanged here. Um, and I tell, you know, anytime I talk to Mike, I tell Mike that I'm like, there was, there's no transaction with our podcast, but what you did for me changed the trajectory of my career because I came into this industry knowing nobody. I was a good for nothing college kid who was suddenly trying to sit at a table with a whole bunch of people who had been in this industry for 20 years and was wildly intimidated and was reaching out to people cold on LinkedIn saying, Hey, you don't know me. I just desperately want to build connections. Would you, would you be interested in talking to me on my podcast and telling me your story? And of all people, Mike Brewer was like, sure, absolutely. And so I flew to Georgia, sat down with them, had a conversation. There's nothing transactional about that. I don't work with Radco. I don't work with Mike, but there is, and there was, and continues to be fruit from that relationship. There is a human being that is real, authentic, and genuine on the other side of that LinkedIn profile that I have a real, legitimate, intentional relationship with. That if I know that if I needed something, I could call Mike and say, hey, I, I need to pick your brain or I need your feedback or I need your, you know, I need your guidance here. But that was that was because the groundwork was laid um, authentically just like what you and I are doing now. So um, I would agree with you and I would champion that definition of community. I think you're spot on. Um, so let's talk about LinkedIn then and let's talk about the connection between community and what you have built rather successfully, I will say, Adrian, on LinkedIn. Um, share with us your LinkedIn come up story. How did you become who you are on LinkedIn? And just for reference, Adrian does have over 20,000 followers on LinkedIn, which is an insane amount of people. Um, and that's by, it's not by accident. Uh, so, so share with us how you um, became who you are on LinkedIn and, and why. So this started probably 12, 13 years ago when I first opened an account on LinkedIn. And the intention at the time was to just find another resource that will help me get a better job than what I was having at the time. So I saw that as a platform that you know might help you to get better jobs by connecting with people. They might just know of you and you might end up you know, getting a better job. Um, and it went like that for a number of years. Uh, the past, probably I wanted to save 20 years. The past seven or eight years, uh, it started to become different for me. Um, I uh, I always heard this that you you know people are overlooked. They don't get a seat at the table, and when is it gonna be like they're demanding their seat at the table? I, I just think that that's the wrong approach. Like if you're waiting for or demanding a seat at the table. Uh, it, it's not the way to gain that seat. Like it's not the best way to me. Okay, uh, I think that if someone acknowledges you and you know offers you a seat at the table, great, just take it. But most of the times that doesn't happen. So I just decided to, for my way for me to be seen and heard, would be to build my own table. And actually, LinkedIn is that for me. It has been the platform that helped me build my own table. How did I build it? Just by telling my story. I had uh, several people over the years telling me that 
Maybe there's something to my story. I learned that storytelling is very powerful. And I basically, all I did was just to document my journey. Things the way, and everything that you will see, like you, like you just said earlier, everything that you'll see on my profile as far as posts or comments is who I am in reality. You don't have to make a effort to imagine who would I be in real life? Because if you read my profile, it's literally what you see is what you're going to get. Um, and everything just came naturally, right? For the past probably three or four years, I made an even, I guess, bigger effort to grow my network and grow more meaningful relationships. And I've decided that for me, the way to go is going to be to make sure that on a daily basis, I'm there. I'm putting the time. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna uh, take a parallel with real life, right? How many people have you known working, you know, calling in two, three days a week and being super successful? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know of any, right? Uh, so the first thing is to show up, right? Show up. Uh, just be who you are. Act like who you are. You don't have to, you know, fabricate any type of persona. Uh, put in the time, put in the effort, be very, you know, be, be very receptive. You know, th there's people, I, I even had a phone conversation with someone that wants to get into multifamily as a vendor this morning, like right before we recorded this. And, you know, it, it was a great conversation. Like she just doesn't know the industry. She actually had no idea that we have associations, things of that nature. So I walk her through all, all the all the opportunities that this industry has to offer if she is interested in, you know, joining. So th those are the things that, you know, that I do. So it's a, it's a number of things that, you know, you don't really, you can't really tell just by reading my content, but I get like, uh, it's a feed that I get from LinkedIn, from the platform that I use outside behind the scenes, right. That, you know, a lot of people don't see and everything just kind of grew organically right uh, as far as followers i'm approaching now twenty six thousand, so i have like 25.5 um i just don't think it's in the numbers though you know numbers might be important somehow uh, i i don't think that they give you the the credibility i think the most important thing is that people see that you are that you're honest like you're not a fake person right you're not fabricating stuff to impress people first of all and second of all, I think it's also important that everything I talk about, it's not something that I learned at school or in books. It's from practice, from like doing it, right? And uh, there's one of the sayings that I, I value the most is that don't ever take advice from anyone that's never been where you want to go. So when I speak, I speak not necessarily as an expert, but I speak from a life experience perspective. Not from something that I imagine, like this could be working. Like I've done it. I've done it. And I think that's also powerful because my confidence level is very high because I've done it. I speak from experience, right? Not from somebody else's experience. And I think people value that. Uh, that's that, that what really helped me, you know, build the, I guess the, I won't say notoriety, but uh, the, the level of, you know, being known in the industry that I, uh, that I experienced today. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think about our experience at the Texas Department Association Expo. When I ran up to Tony, I'm like, oh my God, this is Adrian. <laughs> Please introduce me to Adrian. I knew who you were because of LinkedIn. That is, that's how I knew who you were. That is how I was familiar with you. And, and being able to connect in person, you know, was that much more special because, I had already experienced the buildup. I had seen the consistency. I had seen the hard work that you were putting in because it, it is hard work. I mean, it is one thing to, to show up on the platform like once a week. It's another thing to show up once a day, but it is an entirely different beast to show up multiple times a day, which is what you do. And uh, honestly, if you're trying to maximize your impact on LinkedIn and, and everybody's got their own way to qualify impact. Some people do look at followers. Some people look at connections, which are two different things. Some people look at engagement and some people look at impressions, right? 
However you qualify impact, and some people just, you know, impact for them is, am I consistently showing up because I'm doing this for me? I'm doing this to, to prove to myself that I am capable of authentically being a human being, sharing my story, and doing that day over day over day. Because at some point, and this is where I, I, I go back to this, at some point, my team is going to log on to LinkedIn. At some point, my toddler will grow up and maybe LinkedIn will be a different platform at that point, but let's just pretend for a moment it's the same platform. At some point, she's going to log into LinkedIn. My team here, my salespeople, my marketing people, my, whoever, my team is going to log in. People that I love and I cherish are going to log into LinkedIn and we get to decide if we're going to be a part of the voice that they're listening to first thing in the morning. We get to decide, are we going to be a part of the content that they consume when they wake up? I am absolutely one of those people that wakes up in the morning and I check my LinkedIn profile and I check my feed and I see, you know, what's been posted. LinkedIn does this weird thing where they promote sometimes old content if engagement is up on it. Um, and so sometimes I'm seeing cycled through content, but but LinkedIn thinks it's relevant, so I'm going to take a look. I am fueled and motivated by if people that I care about signed into LinkedIn this morning, what is the story that they're reading? Is it encouraging? Is it uplifting? Is it empowering? Is it logical? Is it you know, life enhancing? Is it healthy? Is it good? Is it consumable and worthy of being consumed? And when I think of your content, I think of that as well. You know, there is this professional component and there's always a professionalism is always maintained. Obviously it's a professional platform, but there's a real human being behind that profile that's creating content too. And, and some of the stuff that you share is like it's, it's you and it has nothing to do with the company that you represent. It's you, the human being. I mean, Multifamily Chronicles is yours. That is what you've created and stories that you're sharing and conversations you're having and sharing that type of stuff on LinkedIn is also incredibly impactful. So I'm very passionate about LinkedIn, clearly. Um, what is the impact that you've seen on your personal and professional life as your ability to be consistent on LinkedIn has increased. You're on it more, you're posting multiple times a day, you're engaging with people, you're having really great conversations off the platform. Is there anything that is like standout for you in terms of the impact that, that LinkedIn has had on your personal, professional um, journey and just continued development? Definitely, there are several things that um, I have I have been observing. So, one of the things, the, the the very first thing that I could you know tell, is that how many people seem to know me from the platform, and every time I go to various events, industry events mainly, I have people stopping me to say, "Hey, I'm Johnny from LinkedIn. I read your content. I love your content. Thank you very much for putting the time right there." I, you know, I, I really love what you're doing. So I, I had those interactions, like the more I go to industry conferences, like the more often I get stopped. And it's kind of a, an amazing thing that, you know, who am I? I'm no, I'm not a special person. You know, I'm not a special in, individual. I don't see anything special about me. I obviously, if you want, you know, the difference between, I guess, most people on the platform and me is that, you know, I put in thousands of hours of work, you know, that, that is what it is, but like, I'm not at core special, you know, I'm not in any way special. I'm just the guy that shows up every day and documents his journey. And from that, like, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, I guess, attention that I've been getting, like uh, literally uh, another thing was, my last two jobs were uh, I I got my last my current job and the two jobs before I had them from LinkedIn like from just being connected um, and I want to share a story here back in January I got laid off from my previous company and obviously I went on LinkedIn I put a you know open to work banner uh, the response was absolutely overwhelming people felt completely to step in and just help even though I maybe never help them or we you know even people that were not even you know direct connections of mine they like did posts about hey 
Like this is a great opportunity. He's not going to be on the market for too long. Uh, it's been inc incredibly uh, profound experience for me. Uh, I could tell you that the day after I posted, first of all, I haven't even had an opportunity to reach out to certain individuals to say, hey, I got laid off. You think you could help me? I literally post that on LinkedIn. I went to a apartment industry event in the afternoon. Uh, by the next morning, uh, the next, the very next day, I had six interviews scheduled for the very next day. And the day after, I got five more interviews scheduled. And like three days into this, you know, being unemployed, I got my offer letter for a, you know, for a better position than my previous one, and you know, or for a pay increase as well. So I'll I'll tell people the difference between having a very defined, very well-known um, brand, personal brand, and not having one, it's the difference between chasing job opportunities or having job opportunities knocking at, at your door. Which one do you want it to be? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I, that speed, oh my gosh. And the... Uh, the feedback you got so quickly, that's incredible. I, that must have been absolutely shocking, right? I mean, the just overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming. Yeah, I'm not gonna let, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I choked a few times, you know, reading messages from people that like some incredible things that, you know, people could say incredibly nice things that they could say at moments like that to encourage you to lift you up. Uh, it, I, I spent like almost a week up until like one o'clock in the morning, just responding messages, direct messages on LinkedIn, because I wanted to make sure that everybody that reached out to me with an encouraging word or with a lead, I would acknowledge the fact that they took a minute or two minutes of their time to send me something or to just say some something nice. It was worth spending the time to just thank them, even though there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. But uh, that was my way of, you know, being... Uh, being grateful for everything that happened and you're just saying thank you I don't think it was a too big of an effort I really wanted to make sure that I responded to every single comment or message that was sent my way uh, that time you don't realize the impact that you have I mean I think it goes without saying you don't but I think that there are a lot of people on LinkedIn that don't realize the power that their their content has and we say content and it kind of feels like a sterile word and, and I'm so maybe there's a better word but the, maybe it's the messages that we share like we don't realize the influence that our words have in person but also online LinkedIn is such an incredible beast because it will promote you to people you're not directly connected with it's an engagement driven funnel and so if there is engagement on a post then it's going to prioritize that post showing up in the feeds of people that are second and third degree connections of yours so while your your followers is 25,000 i would make a um uh, a guess here a um uh, hopefully a good guess that your actual reach i mean we're talking 75,000 plus i mean if, if i just think that every person you're directly connected to has at least one connection that right there is is close to well it's over 50,000 users um and then all of those people have connections so another 25,000 I'm just pretending they have one connection right we're up to 75,000 people and the reality is that they all probably have at least 100 or 200 connections so I mean the influence that our words have and are capable of having in a very real sense like you and I talking but in a digital way as well we take that for granted we don't realize oh my gosh people do see me people are listening people are watching um and so hopefully I'm saying something good and you clearly are um do you think that multifamily does a good job at using LinkedIn I mean cl clearly you were impacted by your network, right? And you were looking for a job and you were met with an immense amount of empowerment and encouragement and kindness, which is what we all want, right? But in terms of um, building connections within multifamily, maybe we can call it marketing. I don't really know. I, I, marketing sometimes gets a weird rap as well, but let's just talk about building relationships as an industry. 
do you think we do a good job at utilizing LinkedIn in that way? Okay, if we're gonna say industry as a whole, we have a long way to go to catch up with real world. Uh, if we say certain individuals, it varies. Again, like it, it goes, uh, like I was saying earlier, the time that you put in, the the messages, the messages that you're, uh, you know, that you're uh, broadcasting. And I'll say, right, you, you mentioned Tony before, Tony Souza. Uh, I actually, you know, wrote a post about him, more than one, but mainly one that I can't remember right now. I said, this is your case study for the industry. What a person, one individual could do to influence for the good, for the better, the industry. You know, he he came to RPM um, and he brought all of his, you know, connections and all of that attention, he brought it to the, the company that converted into a lot of people being attracted to his current company just by him being there, like literally just by him being there. There's a lot of people that now are all eyes on RPM. What happens at RPM? You know, they wanted to come work for RPM because of Tony. I mean, that is not a small thing. I could tell you that a person like him could drive more attention than an entire recruiting department made out of, you know, maybe 20 people. Because it's not in the how many bodies you have, but it's how effective you are, right? And he, he's, he's an incredible communicator. He has a, an incredible set of skills. And he's also very likable too, right? Because that's, that's who he is. That's who Tony is, like in real life as well. You know, he's not making an effort to become a persona that he's not in real life. You know, he's, he's very real. And then people are attracted to that, you know, him being Tony. And what the industry could do better, um, there was a, uh, there was a, you know, kind of a survey trends, you know, 2023 that was done by uh, Rent Dynamics. And I was fortunate to be invited to say, you know, what are some few things that, you know, you see happening. And my bet, one of the things that I predicted was more, uh, we will see this trend in an industry more prevalent in 2023 of industry influencers associating, associating themselves with brands to actually uh, increase brand visibility. What, what did I mean by that? Uh, there's, there's a few players out there that do you know, as good of a job as you know, Tony, myself, and others. They're, uh, you know, they're very well known on the platform. But I think the opportunity is being missed where you have a, you have someone like that working for your company and you don't use them at a full potential. You know, you're just hiring them to be your manager, your regional manager, your main supervisor, whatever the title might be, but you don't see that there's value in their own personal brand that they could benefit your company brand as well. And I think that's a, you know, that's an untapped resource. I'm seeing vendor side of the business being more open to that type of collaboration, not property management companies. You know, with property management companies, I think there, there are a lot of challenges. Like, and I, I think it's more of a, the main challenge is gonna be their understanding, understanding the mechanism. Or how, how does this thing happen, right? So let's take recruiting and say, okay, how is recruiting done on LinkedIn? Well, the platform is flooded with Canva. You know, posts, you know, everybody puts a post on a Canva. A lot of the times the color schemes are so close that I don't know if it's this company or that company. They all kind of look the same and I just keep scrolling past. Uh, but, you know, the the pretty, like, I guess the politically correct content, right? It, it's... Uh, it's like it tastes like plastic. If you if you were to taste it, it tastes like plastic. And I also say it has no soul. It's soulless, right? It, it doesn't it doesn't give you any type of vibe. Yeah, if someone you know have been out of work for for a very long time, they're gonna take the time and read those. But how do you attract the ones that are actually not looking, right? And that is most of the times you know the best the best talent. You know to hire someone that already has the job 
Not to say that you know someone looking for a job you know does, doesn't have any value. No, no, no. I'm I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying how do you attract someone that already has a job? And I could tell you this much: it's not it's not going to be a Canva post. You know, a, a post is made on Canva. So from that perspective, uh, you know, we as an industry have a lot to you know a, a lot to overcome. But I'm not seeing this. You know, I'm not seeing this as a criticize. I'm seeing this as an opportunity. I'm just saying, look, multifamily, there's such a huge opportunity and upside out there that, you know, a very few people tap into. What if you were the first person, the first company to do this, you know, on purpose, like intentionally hire like five industry influencers and let them, you know, help you build your brand. I promise you that without spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in recruiting, you're going to have the strongest pipeline of candidates that you ever had. And you're going to beat everybody else that's paying to play, that's paying, you know, Indeed or, you know, any other paid ads or, you know, they're paying recruiters just through the fact that, you know, you have people very no, known well, uh, industry influencers, I call them, or uh, personalities working for you. That's going to attract talent by default because why? People wanted to work with people they like and people they, you know, they respect, they look up to. And what's a better way than to just, you know, hire a person like that and cut them loose, let, literally just let them do their thing and, and let them fill your pipeline of talent. Yep. No, it makes a lot of sense. I remember before Tony went to RPM, the previous team he was a part of, our first conversation was before he had transitioned. And I told him, said, Tony, and this is when he was just kind of starting to really like show up consistently on LinkedIn. And I had messaged him. I said, Tony, listen, you need to do more of this. That Like, this is good. This is really authentic. This is good. You are, this is really good, my friend. And he said, well, I'm struggling a little bit because it's not being, it's not always championed. It's not always encouraged. And watching him post transition to RPM it is. It's absolutely encouraged. And you're absolutely right. When you have somebody that has the ability to influence in that way, the what is attracted is at scale, whether that's from you know, people who are interested in having their properties managed by RPM or people who are interested in coming to work for RPM or um, uh, you know, people who are vendors who never thought it was possible to have a working relationship with RPM. Well, they see this authentic human being. They're like, wait a minute. I know that human. I could, I could be brave and have a conversation with him and at least honestly gauge whether or not my fear is, should be validated or did I just get in my head too much? You know what I mean? Um, a dear, dear friend of mine is a regional uh, asset living Lauren Brown, I absolutely love her. And she had the opportunity to speak at um, one of the properties that she oversees. She's good friends with the owner. And she had the opportunity to go speak about what it means to have a third-party property management partner in place within this owner's kind of mentorship group before real estate investing. And she and I had a call about, um, we did the utility billing at one of her, a few of her communities, but one, one in particular, um, we had a meeting about the day before she went and she was speaking at this event. And she said, I'm so excited. This is what I have always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be able to go and, you know, share my perspective and to have the opportunity to tell my story and to provide, you know, any, I guess, wisdom that I've just picked up as I've earned my stripes because I've been doing this my entire career. And I'm like, I think that's fantastic. I'm so excited you have an opportunity to speak. Anyway, so she went and she did it and she posted a picture of the event on LinkedIn. And what is amazing to me is if I took that type of post and I held it against a Canva post, like what you're describing, it's night and day, right? I, Lauren's post shows, hey, we have relationships with our owners hey, we're trusted by our, our our bosses to go and represent our company, you know, autonomously. And three, we can do all of that and continue to manage our communities. So while she thought she was just speaking at this, this event about the power of third-party property management, what she was actually doing when she posted it on LinkedIn was sharing with 
anybody who's anybody that's seeing this piece of content, this is the power of third-party property management to be able to go and to teach and to educate and inspire and motivate and empower and all of those things. We have our, our clients asking for us to show up and to educate their circles of people. That from a recruiting perspective, from a, um, you know, uh, attracting talent, from a, a sales perspective, that type of post has the ability at scale to create more impact than a Canva post could any day. So it, it is, I think that you're right. I think there's an opportunity for, I would say vendors as well as property management people only because I'm on the supplier side, right? But I think there's an opportunity for us both both sides to become better at harnessing the power that we have when we tell our stories and to come at that from a collaborative angle. Um, I, you know, I love talking to other vendors. I love talking to property management people. I love talking to owners. I, I think when we are collaborative in our approach and we work together, um, the opportunity that our influence has is that much greater. Um, I've got one more question for you and then I will wrap us up. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so thankful we've done this. You are an incredibly wise human being, dear Adrian, and I am so grateful that you spent time with us this morning. Um, my last question is my favorite question because um, it came from where this podcast was born out of. And that was a place of having no relationships, no connections, and desperately just wanting to meet people. And if I, I have been in this industry for seven years now, if I could go back seven years and found a podcast similar to this, where I'm listening to people's stories, had I been wise enough to do a quick Google search and find that, this would be the question that I wish somebody would have asked. And so I'm going to ask you, um, and here it is. If somebody is new to our industry, somebody is brand new to multifamily and they don't know what they're doing and they're, and they're just trying to figure out what's going on, what is your best piece of advice, your best token of wisdom, um, your golden nugget, Adrian, for them as they get started? I probably have a few, right? Not just one. I wouldn't just stick with one, if I may. So, so I'll say, first of all, if you want to move up the ladder quick, quickly, uh, make this your strategy, right? There's a lot of shiny objects and background noise. Like, you know, you will hear people, and, and there's a lot of negative talk in a background. People are always unhappy about something. Find a way to block everything off. Block everything off. Find a place to stay in your head with your thoughts, with your goals. Pursue them relentlessly, okay? And always volunteer for the jobs that nobody else wants to do. This is the way to put your name out there. The, the dirtiest, the nastiest, the you know, most unpleasant work that's out there, if you're the person that always volunteer for that, your trajectory is going to be like this, like a rocket ship. And secondly, determine where you want to go. What's your, I guess, you know, midterm, long-term destination. Find people that have already been there or are there currently and find a way to con connect with them and ask them for their time and ask them, how did you get here? Basically, it's model the masters. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to learn the hard way. The you know, social media, and there's just so many opportunities for us to connect. And a lot of people, you'll be surprised when you reach out, they'll be really willing to take a few minutes of their time and share their experience with you, because it means a lot to them too, to be able to pass on the knowledge. So, you know, don't, don't try, like, you don't have to be on your own. It doesn't have to be lonely. I know at times, you know, our journeys are mainly lonely in our heads, struggle and everything, how to overcome. But it doesn't always have to be that way. Reach out to those that have been where you want to go and learn from them. And I think uh, that's kind of the best advice that I could have for someone new. You know, that, that's phenomenal advice. Thank you 
so much for sharing that and for your honesty today. My, my biggest takeaway from our conversation is the honesty that you have. And again, the word authenticity, we've said it like a million times during this conversation, but it is our most powerful weapon is to just be authentically who we are. And if that's bold and loud and excited, then congratulations, you're, you're bold, loud and excited. And if that's quiet, collected, and and calculated, then phenomenal. You're quiet, collected, and calculated. And if you're still not sure uh, of what authenticity looks like for you, uh, good luck in your search. Because once you figure it out, I mean, the impact that you being that consistently will have on your life is amazing. It's amazing. And I'm talking to somebody who is you, the symbol of authenticity is you, your journey, your experiences, the adventure of life that you've gotten to experience that you humbly share with all of us. You said earlier in this episode, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a person sharing my story. There's nothing special about me. I'm just, I'm just putting in the work. I'm just showing up. I would push back against that, Adrian. I would say that you absolutely are a special human being And the stories and the journeys that we walk and the paths that we each get to go down on, those are unique to us. And there's tremendous power in sharing it. And you, my friend, have walked an incredible walk and your journey has been one that we can all learn from and one that is very impactful. So I'm grateful to you and I'm grateful for your your willingness to share it. Again, I know you shared it a whole bunch of times because you are a very popular man. Um, And so you've been on other podcasts. And for those that are listening, I would invite you to go go listen to Adrian's conversation on Mike's Collective Conversations platform. I mean, it's really good. It is it's very, it's very good. Um, and and go check out Adrian on LinkedIn. You know, our audience, we've got a lot of people that are new to the industry that listen. And I've got a a large college student audience that listens just because of a little bit of my background. And there is an opportunity here, guys. You know, if you're considering getting into multifamily, or really even if you're not, there's wisdom to be gained here in the walk that Adrian has walked. And so I would encourage you, go connect with Adrian or go follow Adrian on LinkedIn. Um, Watch the consistency, if nothing else you know, watch the behavior. Um, there, there's power in that, in that consistency. And I invite you to go, go see it for yourself and go enjoy some of his content. Uh, and I would also be grateful to connect with you on LinkedIn. If you ever want to have a conversation about, um, you know, all things LinkedIn, all things multifamily, I'd love to be a new connection for you. Anyway, as always, I'm so thankful to our audience. This would be nothing without you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. Um, Or if you're on a run, don't forget to drink water. Um, Thank you for being here. And Adrian, thank you for being here this morning with us. Caroline, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, It was a very meaningful conversation. And that's what I'm always, you know, looking for, hoping for. Uh, thank you for really taking the time to, you know, to learn about my story, to hear my story and to actually get to know me for, you know, for who I really am. Uh, and I hope that your uh, your audience will find, you know, something uh, to take uh, take back home with them uh, after watching or, you know, listening to this episode. So thank you again for opportunity. It's been great being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep up with Adrian's journey. Go follow him on LinkedIn and stay tuned next time, guys, for um, the next Tell Me Your Story episode. Uh, This is my favorite series and I'm excited to continue it. As always, thanks for being a part of the Solutions by Southwest Utility podcast community. And until next time, guys, bye for now.